It's here in the city. I'm Sarah Harris. Today is Monday, November 1st, and tomorrow we go to the polls. So let's take a look at two ballot measures that, if passed, would strip away some of California's toughest environmental protection laws. Our first stop is the Coalition for Clean Air, located in downtown Los Angeles at the beautiful and historic Fine Arts Building. I spoke with Joseph Liu, who's the executive director. How are you doing? Our offices are on the 11th floor, and um, we work right here at the the hub of of the Los Angeles Transit uh, Blue Line and Red Line uh, for the metro uh, commuters in in Los Angeles. So you have been working on air quality for 20 years or more, you said? I've uh, worked as an environmental health and environmental justice advocate for 20 years in Los Angeles and have recently become the president and CEO of the Coalition for Clean Air. It's the day before we vote, and a lot of people maybe haven't even read this uh, this piece of literature that came to all of us who are registered to vote. So I'm going to pull it out of my bag right here. I wanted to ask you about this one. Prop 26, the one that's gotten less attention of the, of the two very um, polluter-sponsored and paid-for propositions uh, on this year's ballot. Uh, it's, it is clear that what would happen with a yes on, on 26 vote is that the major polluters in California would be shifting the responsibility for paying for the monitoring and cleanup of, the, of their activities onto the taxpayers. And that's what you, you, if you look at the legislative analysis, that's pretty clear. So let's see what that legislative analysis says. It's produced by the nonpartisan office of the Secretary of State of California's legislative analyst. And here's what it says about Proposition 26. Quote, by expanding the scope of what is considered a tax, the measure would make it more difficult for state and local governments to pass new laws that raise revenues. This change would affect many environmental, health, and other regulatory fees, as well as some business assessments and other levies. New laws to create or extend these types of fees and charges would be subject to the higher approval requirements for taxes. The fiscal effect of this change would depend on future actions by the legislature, local governing boards, and local voters. If the increased voting requirements resulted in some proposals not being approved, government revenues would be lower than otherwise would have occurred. This, in turn, likely would result in comparable decreases in state spending. Given the range of fees and charges that would be subject to the higher approval thresholds for taxes, the fiscal effect of this change could be major. Over time, we estimate that it could reduce government revenues and spending statewide by up to billions of dollars annually compared with what otherwise would have occurred. So, translation, it would lower by billions of dollars the amount of money available to regulate environment and health standards in the state of California. Essentially, a yes on Proposition 26 would accomplish this by changing current requirements for regulatory fees that need a simple majority— and change that to a two-thirds vote in the state legislature. It would also subject regulatory fee proposals to approval by local voters, meaning we, the people, would have to be involved in how existing laws are enforced at the regulatory level. Effectively, voting yes on Prop 26 
would bring regulatory fees and essentially enforcement of regulations back to the voters, we would have to go and We would have to vote to, to approve them, but also what would happen is, is you know, the regulation of, of these polluters wouldn't go away, but the taxpayers would have to pay the, pay the dime instead of the polluters who are p paying for it through their fees and assessments, and, th and that's how it should be. I mean, they're the ones who are creating the problem, they're the ones who need to be regulated, so they're the ones who should be paying for it. So how does it work right now? For example, um, let's take uh, Exxon or Chevron or Shell uh, at the port of Los Angeles, a refinery. Like, how do they have to deal with those fees under the existing law? So when uh, the Exxon Mobil or, or Tesoro or Valero comes to the South Coast Air Quality Management District, they need to get a permit. And they, they pay for that permit, and they also pay an emissions fee for how, uh, that is um, gradual, uh, graduated fee based on how, how much pollution they're emitting into the environment. In order for the agency to establish or raise that fee, they would have to go to the voters if 26 passes, if you vote no on 26, then the, the things will stay the way they are. But if 26 passes, then you need to go to the voters and get two-thirds of the voters to approve that fee before it would become law. So even though, for instance, Cal California Environmental Protection Agency would, by law, have to levy certain fees against a, a polluter or an emitter in order to increase that fee, even according to existing law, they would have to go back to the electorate to ask to be able to do that? Yes, and it also it makes it um, very easy for anyone, like those polluters, to challenge those fees and to go to court and to say, you have to take that fee to the voters. So the, all the, um, the burden of proof would be on the agency to show why that fee doesn't have to go to the voters. And it, it creates a, um, an absolutely dysfunctional system, if you ask me. And it's unfortunately one of those things that, in terms of polluter protection laws, uh, that uh, through this initiative process, I think they've hoodwinked a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people understand it. Because that Prop 23 is getting so much attention, less attention has been, been placed on, on Prop 26. But in some ways, it's even more important because the, these fees are the backbone of our, our environmental regulations. Who's paying for Proposition 26? Well, according to the website OpenSecrets.org, which is part of the Center for Responsive Politics, Chevron Corporation has donated $4 million to Yes on Six. And Pacific Gas and Electric, do you remember the San Bruno disaster? PG&E has donated some $600,000 to promote the measure. I'm feeling like we might need a, some sonic break here with all the regulation information. You, you want think? to take a break? Okay, okay. Well, this is here in the city on KPFK 90.7 FM, Los Angeles. 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara County and somewhere in China Lake, I remember, but I'm not sure where on the dial. So let's go to the San Fernando Valley where I talked to a bunch of voters in a Ralph's parking lot until the security guard came by and told me to get lost. But this woman who just moved to L.A. from Sacramento had this to say. What's your name? Judy. Judy, what do you think of L.A.? It is busy, it is hectic, and the traffic is horrendous. 
What do you think about the fact that in California we're basically asked to write legislation when we go to the ballot box? Well, I think it's a good idea because a lot of people are involved in politics. I found that uh, just talking with uh, some of my uh, colleagues, uh, my walkers, when uh, I was in Sacramento, we talk politics all the time, and we're you know we're a bunch of senior citizens, but we know politics. So I I think uh, it's great because the people are involved and they want to do what's right. What kind of work do you do? I'm retired. <laughs> I've been retired for over 10 years. What did you used to do? I was a social worker. Let's go back to the Coalition for Clean Air with John Liu. Could you tell me what the, the Coalition for Clean Air is, is about and why you do the work that you do? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, the Coalition for Clean Air is the only statewide organization working exclusively on air quality issues in California. We have offices here in downtown Los Angeles and Sacramento and Fresno, and we work to make sure that we have clean air, healthful air for people to breathe. We're also working on climate change issues and, and, uh, and, and just making sure that our most impacted communities are benefiting from our env- uh, environmental policies when it comes to air quality. And why do you work on air quality? I work on air quality issues because I think it's the most important public health uh, aspect of, of the environmental movement. And I have been working on this stuff for 20 years, and I am an advocate at heart. And I think that our our government agencies can and and should do better. And I think that that those responsible for pollution need to um, change their behavior. And I think that the the vulnerable populations, those people who have most of the facilities and and the bad traffic and the goods movement uh, sources near them are, are paying a disproportionate price in terms of their health and their quality of life, and and someone has to stick up for them. Um, So that's what I try to do. So let's talk about global warming. Sure. And Prop 23. I mean, it seems pretty clear. Flip through it here. Um, It starts with AB 32, right? right? California's climate change law, which was adopted four years ago. At a time when the economy was doing a little bit better than it is right now. Absolutely. Um, yeah, unemployment was at 4.8%, I think. Um, and in this proposition, they are proposing to suspend the climate change legislation until the unemployment rate goes back down from its current, I think, 12.3% to 5.5 for a whole year. Which has only happened three times in the last 40 years. Where are we in terms of this legislation and, and who's had to work well, on The goals for AB 32 establish uh, uh, 2020 and 2050 goals and, and including some early action measures, which there has been some, some headway made on it. But it's, it's a long planning process and the implementation is, is uh, worked out over time. So the, the climate change legislation is in California of the strictest in the United States. What exactly does it do? Well, it's, it sets targets for reducing greenhouse gas emissions and, and identifies what those greenhouse gases are, um, again, in the 2020 and 2050 timeframes. Uh, some important parts of, of AB 32 include the fact that, that um, 
when it was drafted, there were provisions put into it that included protections against you know down and uh, economic uh, problems like we're, we're facing now. And it also provided protections for those communities that are most impacted by air, air pollution and tried to take advantage of the fact that we should be able to get what's called co-benefits, benefits both in um, the uh, reduction of emissions of greenhouse gases in California, but also reductions in what's called criteria pollutants, those things that cause smog, and air toxics, those things that cause cancer and other um, adverse health impacts on communities. This is a, it's a positive move, AB 32, the climate change legislation, in terms of trying to reduce greenhouse gas emissions locally in California. Well, unless you're a Texas-based oil refinery who doesn't want to have to do the things that are required of it uh, in California. Then you go out and you collect signatures and you put Prop 23 on the ballot. Two petroleum refiners are principally behind Proposition 23. Valero Corporation has spent over $5 million on the ballot measure, and Tesoro has spent over $2 million. Both are small-sized, independent refinery companies that do not extract oil but process it for fuel at the ports of Los Angeles and Wilmington. Opposing Prop 23 are environmental lobbying groups like the Union of Concerned Scientists. Hi, my name is George. I'm a volunteer with the Union of Concerned Scientists. I went to visit their phone bank in the San Fernando Valley this weekend, where dozens of volunteers made calls to voters denouncing Proposition 26 and Proposition 23. Yep, hi there, Lucinda Homan. So we have had um, volunteers come in uh, day and night um, for the last couple of weeks, um, working the phones, so making sure that voters in California are aware of the proposition, understand what it is, um, also, they know where their polling place is and that they um, have all the tools they need to get out to vote on Election Day. And have you been making phone calls? Yes, we've been making a lot of phone calls. Actually, just um, the Union of Concerned Scientists have made uh, more than 15,000 uh, phone calls and had 15,000 uh, conversations with Californians across the state. And that's just a small um, subsection of what the entire environmental community is doing statewide. So. For its part, Valero Corporation claims that complying with California's climate change legislation would cost the company $80 million. Last year was the first time in two years that the company recouped losses. Larger oil companies like Royal Dutch Shell and ExxonMobil are not as affected by California's climate change legislation because they're less exposed. While they do operate refineries in San Diego and Los Angeles, that is but a small percentage of their record profit-making businesses, and they are able to comply with AB 32 basically without flinching. Both Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger and Mayor Antonio Villarragosa want to see Prop 23 defeated, and they have said as much. In yesterday's paper, the Los Angeles Times cites the governor's verbal attacks on the, quote, black oil company hearts, and the mayor telling Texas oil companies to, quote, go home. After tomorrow's vote, Valero and Tesoro may well have to do that. Polls definitely favor a defeat of Proposition 23.